Welcome to Multifamily Live. I'm Kaylee Yarusi. And I'm Jason Yarusi. Our mission is to help you unlock your full potential as a multifamily real estate investor. So you can do more deals, bigger deals, with less stress, keep more profit, and free up your time. Multifamily doesn't have to be a mystery. It's time to go live. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Super happy to have you. Super grateful to have you here. And even more grateful to have my friend, Christina Blum here. Christina, I am super excited to have you here. Welcome to the show. Oh, I'm glad to be here. I'm just chatting, you know, yeah. about whatever comes up. <laughs> Fantastic. So Christina, tell me a little bit about your life because we actually met in the world of NFTs. But getting to know you and getting to know some of your history, you actually started in real estate and you have a farm. So tell us a little bit about how you got into into real estate and let's go from there. Um, Well, I don't think we ever tried to get into real estate. Um, It just happened, you know, in time, um, we bought our first house and we lived there, you know, for, I don't know, eight years or, you know, what, you know, the beginning of our marriage. And then um, we kind of snowballed really fast. We happened to, um, we put in a couple of offers on some short sales and nothing happened and went on about our business. And then we um, found a property that had a three bedroom house on the front and then a one bedroom house and a two bedroom house in the back. So like, but it was maybe on two lots, I don't know, but, and we were like, oh, so if we convert one and then everything else is gravy, you know? And so we put in the offer on that and that got accepted and we started working on those. And then some of our short sale offers got accepted. (laughs) So I woke up, you know, from having one house to having like seven in a blink of an eye. Um, So yeah, it, it it happened pretty fast. (laughs) And then once, um, I mean, really, when we started, we'd kind of go into it with the perspective of, okay, if we fix that and rent that, or if we rent that like it is, will it pay for itself in like five years? I mean, to me, that seemed like a pretty decent way to look at it. And we would, um, you know, just, I kind of kept keep an eye open and buy something else as it pops up. I, um, we bought some awful houses. We've bought some good houses. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about one of your awful ones. Give me a story. We paid $4,000 for the house. So is that a good picture? Wow. <laughs> 4000 Where? Okay, give me, <laughs> what market was this in for $4,000? Um, I think this was like 2007, mm-hmm. but I believe um, at the time it was already condemned. Okay. So, I mean, you know, take that for what it is. The roof was good. You know, there was a few other good aspects to the house. Um, but it was really one of those things like we pulled up outside and I did not get out of my car until my husband pulled up and got there. So it was one of those. One of those. <laughs> I, I've seen, I've seen and been in a few of those where you just kind of wait until either yeah. your partner or your husband. It was or... like, there was no getting out to go peek in the windows. There no. was. <laughs> so um, my kids called that the junk house because it was full of junk. And I mean, it was just definitely if it probably would have been one of our first ones we probably would have never got it as deep as we did <laughs> but i really think we only spent like 20 grand to completely redo the house but my husband does like everything you know so um and for most of those houses we really rented them all for at least a good five years and then we would sell them 
um, for the most part. Like we would get all of our money back and then sell them and then have the profit um, is about how most of them have played out. Um, and what happened is when we <laughs> bought the farm, we really shopped for land for a long time. And it was meant to be for when we retired. Um, and we bought it and we put a single wide trailer out here and we'd come out on the weekends. And it was our like little weekend getaway. And then my husband woke up one day and said, let's move out there. So we moved from like our 2,500 square foot house to an 800 square foot single wide trailer while we built our house. <laughs> that is amazing. Talk about goals. I mean, okay. So for my listeners out there, I'm just going to stop for a moment because I just want you to clue in to what Christina is saying. She decided she was going to do something. She, I'm guessing, educated yourself enough to be dangerous. And then you did it. You went yeah. for the short sales that didn't work. You went for the five, uh, the five unit property and it worked. And then the short sales came. And now with the farm, you bought the land, started living, like started going there, like on the weekends and then made the decision, took action and took that step forward. So oh, yeah. continue with your story. You're at the no, farm. When you live in a house. single wide trailer for two years, you really know what you want in your house. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> and, and this wasn't just a single wide trailer. This was like a 1980s or 90s or like, this was like a, you know, we, it was just for us to come out and stay one night, you know, two or three nights a month. You know, this wasn't never meant to live in house. <laughs> that so, is it was very amazing. special. And, um, <laughs> but we really, we woke up and my husband and I, we both lived on farms when we were younger um, and through, you know, through high school and, he said, I want to make sure our kids get to experience this. And I get it. I mean, you know, the kids, when they grow up, do they, they need to know what, where's their home? What are you coming back to? Um, but it was hard because he still was in the military active duty. So he still commuted an hour. Yeah. And I mean, he would go in at five o'clock in the morning, you know, and then, I, I mean, he, he was traveling to Texas and traveling to Kansas and all this other stuff. So the last probably three years of his career, he commuted a lot. Um, but our kids got to experience this their last, you know, five, six years at home and they got to enjoy it. We were able to sell enough of the rentals to pay cash to build our house. And then after we had built the house, I don't know, a couple of years, um, the neighbor, we kind of was looking for more land and the neighbor next door came up and said, okay, I'll sell you the next 140 acres. And we were able to do that with cash. Like, and it's, yes, I started, you know, I've had my econ business and all that stuff, but my husband retired from the army. Like we did this on a military salary we always lived off of my husband's paycheck. Always. We always planned for my husband's paycheck to be what provided for us. So everything else was always just to snowball into what else we wanted. That is an amazing story. So you based your life off of your husband's income. And when he was able to retire, he was able to retire free and clear because you had your rentals and you were able to pay cash, not only for your land, but for your house. I mean, how amazing is that? And do you still have your e-commerce business? I do. I, I don't, I'm not. <laughs> I love neither. how you said that. I do. It's, it's not really <laughs> part of my life anymore. Uh -huh. Try for it not to be. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it systematized enough that you can step out of it for the most part? I, I try to stay as much hands off. I, I can be as hands on as I want. I mean, but it's really, it's, 
whenever he came close to retiring, I began to scale way down and I changed it. Like I was doing a couple million a year and working like a dog. Like, I mean, I was just always gone, always traveling, you know, the whole. And then I was like, I do not want to have, you know, a quarter million dollars in inventory at risk, you know, whenever he's retired and we're, we're, we're established. Like I don't need the risk. So I started scaling it back and making it safer and, you know, that type of, and then COVID, you know, I mean, you know, so it's kind of a, I'll work a little cause I'm stuck at home, but yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about, so your, how much, what does your portfolio look like right now? Because you were able to use your real estate and your rentals to sell those. And I love, I have to go back a little bit. I love how you kind of fell into the process of you buy a rental, keep it for five years, get your money back with that, with the, with the income you got from the rental and then sell it and all of its profit. I mean, people, that is an amazing, amazing just system to just kind of fall into. So congrats on that. So what does your portfolio look like today? Rentals and real estate? Yeah, I, um, Lord, that means I got to count. Uh, I don't know. Um, no, I love had, it. Um, I've got two, I've got a house and a business in town, um, because I have, I have a warehouse and such, um, cause we live in the middle of nowhere. Um, we have 160 acres. We have two other houses. So I guess we're down to, I don't even know. I mean, really the goal is to slowly get it all gone. I, I think, I think my husband will keep what's um, here in town just because Mm -hmm. like there's a house in town that we bought it because there's a huge, amazing shop and we couldn't build the shop for what we paid for the land. Like, so what are we going to do with it? I don't know, but. The great thing is, is that you're making these educated decisions without, I don't want to say it was without planning, but it, there's like, there's an opportunity there that's in the back. Exactly. Like, it's like opportunistic real estate investing instead yeah. of saying like, I talk, cause I talked to so many real estate investors who are like, I do multifamily and this is my systems. I flipped and wholesale and these are my systems. This is exactly what I do. Instead you go for the opportunity. You see the opportunity first. You don't let your systems or your tactics like yeah. other real estate investors hold you back because if you see the opportunity, you'll get it and understand that in the future you can do something with it. Am I kind of and, hitting and my, it on the yeah, my, like my building, when I bought it for my business, I knew it was too small. It's like 800 square feet, but I had, it was on a double lot and I knew I had room to expand. I'm on main street in my town. Like the building wasn't what I needed, but I don't know what I'll do with that space. But when I built a warehouse, I built it that it could be whatever we want it to be later on. You know, it's not specific to, you know, only a e-commerce warehouse. So I love it. Yeah. I mean, so you're, it's just, I, I will say doing it all with cash, people will tell you, you know, that's horrible. How do you ever get enough money? Oh, blah, 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 blah. But for real, you just have to hustle until you do it. Like that's what it is. I love it. You just have to hustle until you do it. And the thing is all of everything you own, it sounds like for the most part, it's all paid for. Yeah. You don't My have e-com business. Like seriously, whenever I started selling online and eBay back in money order days. <laughs> yeah. PayPal didn't even exist yet. Amazing. I remember those days. <laughs> <laughs> and I, um, you know, and 
it slowly was just, you know, selling what my kids outgrew or you know, those kind of things. And then I would find things that I could buy to resell. And then you slowly grow into this. When I decided I was going to do it, I started with $300. And I went with $300 and within like five years, grew that to a couple million dollars in sales. You know, I mean, so just put your money to work and work. <laughs> I am just getting like, I have like, goose flesh, or if you're in Hawaii, you think it's, you know, it's chicken skin. Um, how do people not know you? You started with $300 and grew your e-commerce business from scratch when, when it was when before PayPal, before when you actually had to do money orders. And now you have a multi-million dollar business. You've, you buy and sell real estate like it's a hobby but you're incredibly, incredibly proficient at it because you, you find the deal, you're very opportunistic and you see things that other people probably don't see, especially in real estate. I mean, you just told me you bought something on Main Street. It's a huge warehouse. You're not sure what you're going to do with it. But the thing is, with how much this country is growing yeah. and how people are kind of slowly not so slowly where I live here in Tennessee, <laughs> slowly filtering into more rural, more er, yeah. like suburban and rural areas. Because you can't afford to live in the city. No, you can't. I mean, like we seriously could have got something, you know, 20 minutes from my husband's work. Guess what? <laughs> we would have spent a fortune. I mean, and looking at it now, it doesn't seem like a fortune. But at the time we bought our land for like 40 grand. And even then it was like, oh my goodness, we're going to spend $40,000. And we didn't have a plan. There wasn't a house. There wasn't a, you know what I'm saying? Like we were just going to spend $40,000 because we liked this land. Yeah. I mean, but then, you know, we put a $5,000 trailer out here and then we built a house and then we bought more land. Like it just. And it grew and grew into this amazing farm that you have. I mean, tell, tell, okay. So I'm going to, I'm now I'm going to give my audience how I actually met you. So we met on a site called Discord, in a Discord called Fame Lady Squad. So if you know anything about NFTs, non-fungible tokens, you'll understand. And if you're in this world, you understand this is a very, very popular token. This is a very, very popular NFT that has sparked interest across the world. So I met, and in, in, this, uh, in this Discord, Christina is actually known as Geeky Girl. And I really, really, really wanted to talk to you because all the information you put out and all the conversations that you have had, and I've been able to read and be a part of, they are so intuitive and have so much information. And now I can see where it's coming from. Like you're not only intuitive and educated in NFTs, it goes back to your starts, probably even before you started getting into real estate, before you started getting into e-commerce. So that is how we met. We met, um, and I had a reason for making that connection. So we are actually going to jump from where you are now. How did you, how and when did you start getting into NFTs? And please give us a little bit of education on NFTs when you do um, answer this question. So how did you get into NFTs? How did you learn about it? And where is your NFT, uh, I don't know if I want to call it business, but investing right. <laughs> uh, business at right today. Well, and I think, I mean, 
pretty close. I'm going to say probably my first NFT thoughts may have been on Clubhouse. I was in a room with people and he had just sold like a $3 million, whatever it was at the time. Like it was, you know, historical and no one was talking about it yet. And if I recall, there was like Fortune magazine and like a couple other just happened to be in the room. And like it just it took off like, you know, out of nowhere. It was just a casual conversation that became like, oh, wow, this is actually a revenue and this is a thing. Um, And from there, it was, you know, then NBA, NBA top shots, which I did not get into. But, you know, that was where, you know, I would hear more and all that good stuff. And I just started soaking it all in. Because I already have, um, like, we sell some digital products on Etsy, like, um, imagine, like, pamphlets or brochures and that kind of thing. And, and I'm going, how does this digital art compare to what I'm doing in my real business? Because I have artists that I have do designs for me for T-shirts and makeup bags and backpacks and that kind of stuff. Like, I have these things that we're using in my physical e-commerce business. And from there, I would buy a few NFTs, you know, dabble here, dabble. just do you like the art? Does it make sense? Like, what are they saying they're going to do with it? Then um, it really, what was that? Let's say it was June when everything in NFTs just became bonkers. Mm-hmm. It was like anything that you bought, you're probably going to make money. And if you didn't make money, then you, what did you buy? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um. And then um, for the Fame Ladies, though, I didn't originally, um, when the product when the project launched, I looked at it, I was like, eh, and, and WOW launched right there, too. And mm-hmm. WOW, I looked at WOW, and I'm like, there's not any woman that looked like me. Like, it just wasn't me. And then um, the Fame Lady scandal. <laughs> yes. So a little bit about the Fame Lady scandal. So the Fame Ladies were actually one of the first women completely run uh nfts to generative art that's the yeah (laughs) yeah the first generative art excuse me and (laughs) what had happened was that they found out that it was not uh women behind the project so you actually know the story better than me so what happened at that point oh it was drama for like a week but <laughs> I remember hearing about this drama. oh it was it was so so bad I mean when I say so bad like I mean just the stress level and the yeah. crazy and the backlash on Twitter and that type of thing like it was just crazy like you could not ignore what was happening yes. <laughs> because these three men had pretended to be women and had not only done this, they also launched a project pretending to be black women at the same time. <sighs> and like they did all of this crazy, you know, horrible stuff that they shouldn't have done. Um, and, but then the contract was negotiated. And now we do have women and um, a few men, but we have actual people that we know and trust behind the project that have the contract and that are running with it. Um, when it all went down, Nobody knew what was going to happen because the guys really could have just deleted everything. Like it all could have disappeared and you would have been out. So the guys, I mean, they, they did a stand up thing, giving up the contract and not deleting the art and all that stuff. I had came in at the time and I offered that um, if they, if the project needed a relaunch, I offered for my team to do the art. And I said, I'll give you my artist for a week. Y'all let me know what you need. And they were determined to find some women artists. And I was like, no, I get that. You know, like, I really support that. I really do. And I gave them some tips on finding women artists. And then I just kind of sat in the background and I waited 
until the relaunch and everything smoothed out. And then I went all in. And um, since then, my team has helped with some of the artwork. And um, mostly because I am personally invested in the project and I know my team can add a value to it. Not because I'm wanting my team to be incorporated with it, but I knew that my team could do art in a way that would show the ladies different. So that was the reason I came in and offered. Um, and I knew that, it, you know, it's all about brand perception. And if you can make it look better, then <laughs> go for it. Exactly. And you have helped take that brand, the Fame Ladies brand, and it's just, it's just growing. I mean, I jumped into NFTs with Gary V when I actually minted two of his NFTs. And then I kind of dropped out of it. Like I was, I, I disappeared for a couple of months and then I jumped in around the same time that this whole drama started. So I actually heard all of this from Post Verone. Like I was on a call with him and he was like, all this stuff is happening and dot, 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 dot. So that's how actually I got in. Cause I checked it out. I was like, this is kind of cool and jumped in. And the community there is just so amazing and just so spot on that I came in, I bought a few and I stayed. So, and I got to, the great thing is, and this goes to what we talk about on this podcast a lot, reaching out and making those relationships that turn into partnerships, making those relationships that turn into like lifelong friendships. And there is something called a hodler, not a holder, you're a hodler. It's hold on for dear, like dear life. Yes. So uh, Hodler is someone that holds on to these assets and they are assets for basically they're a long-term hold in real estate terms. These are long-term holds that most of us are going into. You do also have those paper hands or flippers. There's so many connections between the real estate business and NFTs. It's just, it's crazy, but you have those flippers who flip for profit. They buy it, they mint the project, which is they are at the front of the project and they are the first purchases of their purchasers of the project. And then they flip it for cash or not cash, but for Ethereum. So before I go down the NFT rabbit hole, a lot of my listeners have no idea what I'm talking about. So where is, where are NFTs base? Because you've been having a lot of crypto conversations in discord. And that's the other reason why I really wanted you to come on here. How can people in the real estate industry say they're not interested in art, not interested in NFTs? If they are not in crypto, why should they be? I, um, well, and where the NFT is based, that is now becoming an ever-growing thing. Like new chains are added almost every mm -hmm. day, it feels like. Um, and for me, I do think the transparency is huge. I mean, like, and just the I don't want to say, ease of use is not going to be the right word. Like I'm thinking of a property that we bought. My name is misspelled. And we, if, if I recall, we still couldn't get insurance because my name is misspelled on some paperwork in like one place. Oh my goodness. Like what it kind of, and what, you know what it's going to take at the courthouse for me to get it fixed. And then how much other just, it's crazy. <laughs> so for us to have, I mean, like I look at it, like even your ID, imagine your ID is synced across 
everything like that. And you don't have to fill out that form 12,000 times when you go to the doctor, you know, those type of things. I mean, I, I went and got a vaccine. I mean, I, I don't know if people say that on your podcast, but like I had to fill out two different forms, one for the flu shot, one for the COVID shot. It was the same form. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just, it makes like the crypto and NFT and this blockchain world makes everything so much more transparent and so much easier because all the information is right there. I mean, if I can plug in, you know, my wallet address or whatever, and it brings over all the information I want to share to me, that is life-changing. How many forms do you fill out a week or a year? I mean, that is just ridiculous. In my e-commerce business, I still have a fax machine in my office. Do you want to know why? Because people in wholesale still want you to fax crap to them. What? <laughs> yes, all the time. Uh, who still has a fax machine? And this is why our supply chains are so broken. Yes. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, I have companies that I deal with and I can place $20,000 orders at a time, but there's only one person in the company that can take my payment or only one person in the company that can take my order. Like, why? <laughs> so it's about efficiency and mm-hmm. it's about um, having a smooth record process. How many documents are in the average courthouse? Like, that is insane. And if you've ever had to dig through some property records before, yep, <laughs> find liens on properties and all this other crap. Oh, my goodness. Paper cuts. <laughs> okay, so I want to have a period before I let you go. I want to have a moment where we're going to educate my audience right now because they're like any business that you want to start, anything that you want to invest in, you have to do your own research. You have to do your own due diligence. And for anybody in the NFT space, if you see the letters D-Y-O-R, that means do your own research. So for anyone that's starting in this place, this space, Christina, and it's really weird to call you Christina because I'm so used to knowing you as geeky. Christina, how can they start? What is the best place for them to get that 50 hours that they say they should jump into and learn about the space? And then what should their next step be? I think I mean, it's complicated because learning trends is one. Mm-hmm. Like you have to understand what people think is popular and why people buy stuff. Like, because if it's not popular, it's not going to be a home run. And you know what I'm saying? So the the learning, the trends, but with the NFT world, one of the bigger things is just um, for me, I choose to buy into projects where I know who's behind it. Um, And that may or may not be a good recipe, (laughs) but because you don't sell. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Buy enough that you're willing mm-hmm. to give some up, yes. you know, like you can't, you know, if you buy five, you could probably sell one, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to keep all five, mm-hmm. sell one, get your money back and feel okay. And I've even gotten to the point, And I know a lot of people probably look at it and be like, what in the world are you doing? If I meant five, I may list one for sale right away just to cover the cost of all five of mine. And I'll never look at it again. Like, yep. And, and then that doesn't bother me. I mean, you know, I didn't fall in love with it. I didn't get attached to it, but really it's um, finding a project that 
to me, a trusted team goes a long, long way because like you said, Gary V, when Gary did his, I will say from the e-com world, I mean, Gary has been in the circle that I'm in for my entire journey. You know, Gary did e-com the way I did. You know, it's, you learn, you know, he, he flips stuff on eBay. You do those, you go after the collectibles and you, I, yes, I knew that Gary was a trusted voice. You know that Gary's going to make something successful, but was it going to be the hype? Like 99% of these celebrities, their projects are great for a day, yep. <laughs> maybe two days. <laughs> and um, now when Gary did his book thing, I mean, mm-hmm. I went all in, I ordered 120 books. Whoa. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so I, um, I mean, I didn't hesitate at that point because mm-hmm. but at the time, did you know how big of a voice Gary would be in the NFT space? No, like, I didn't. You, yeah. And the reason why I jumped in was because I just wanted access to VCon and now everybody talks about it and VCon is just like, kind of, it's going to be awesome, but comparatively Gary is just like, and everybody who follows Gary is just like, VCon's kind of like, I don't know, like the cherry on top of all (laughs) the stuff that you're going to get on top of that. So yeah. And no, but I, I understand what you're saying. And as people are jumping into this, into this world, really um, be careful. Just like Christina said, like she didn't, she didn't know that Gary was going to go anywhere with it and to mint something plus gas could be anywhere from hundreds to maybe thousands, depending on what you're buying. And this is an investment. And Christina actually dropped a really, really good way of doing this. Like, especially if it's like art that you really like, or a team that you really like an artist that you really like buy a few of them. Like I, I, I'm coming to the realization that I need to at least buy three, one that I can sell immediately, one that I can hold forever. And one that I can sell at like hype, Yeah, but always have like that, that one that you can hold. And honest to goodness, we, um, we probably are going about this completely the wrong way when we look at it in five years. (laughs) Probably (laughs) it changes so fast. Like I've, I I mean, I've only been in here. I mean, when was, when was Gary's mint back in March or was it? I was going to say it was in the spring. I I don't know. Yeah. Somewhere in March, (laughs) May, somewhere in that. Yeah. It was May. It was May. It was May. So I've only been in the space since May and it's changed drastically since then. And just like the amount of voices and the amount of people that have, that have joined us. And as we're speaking, they're having um, NFT NYC right now. And all these people are joining and coming out of the woodwork and meeting each other for the first time. I mean, this is the second one they've done, but Mm -hmm. the world is just growing exponentially. And you bring in like the metaverse, you bring in other projects that people are doing, the apes, the cats, the dogs, the... Honestly, when the ladies launched, there was like, it was the first women's project. And now the women's projects, everybody tried to jump on that bandwagon, but there's still only a tiny bit of women. Yeah. I mean, and I I think that's the part that people really don't get. And I, I try, I I know that sometimes people may not know my tone. Um, So, um, but like, the crazy island boy thing, like every guy project was doing those crazy island boy cameos. No mm-hmm. women project did that. The women are doing this from a totally different place than the guys are. Like the guys are having a party and a hangout. And, and I mean, fame ladies, yes, we, we, you know, we get a little wild. <laughs> but, 
but I, um, but I, I think that um, the picture is bigger. Yeah. I, I mean, we're not here just to, you know, run around town and. And the great thing from Fame Lady Squad, other, other groups, other projects, other women-led projects have been able to build from that. It's like Fame Lady Squad, especially with everything that happened with it, gave us as women the permission to look bigger and take a hold of this, like this world and run with it and make it yeah. in our image. That gave women their voice in NFTs. Yes. For me, that's what this is. And that's why I went all in. I haven't looked at what I've spent. I, I kind of, I'm gonna, I've got to guess. It's a lot. I, I know that I've spent more than I ever planned. <laughs> However, I have no hesitation about what I've spent. And I'm glad you said that because listeners go back to the beginning of this. That's why I wanted, before we jumped into NFTs, I wanted Christina to explain where she's come from, how she's purchased real estate, how she's been able to purchase things outright in cash because of the way she has set herself up to succeed, how she sees the opportunities and she jumps on them and makes sure that it is an educated decision. Like I could have got my fame ladies for thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars cheaper the night the Russians came out, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I didn't. I didn't even gamble a couple thousand dollars. I just sat back and watched it play out and I made sure everything was going to get put back together. Mm-hmm. So and now from even where the, per- the place where you, where you bought in, it's just exponential yeah. growth. Yeah, and right financially, now. it doesn't look really any different. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like from buying in over the past several months, I have not made financial gains I don't believe like in the NFT world, you know, I should have been a millionaire already because it's been more than three days. So (laughs) (laughs) it moves fast, folks. (laughs) It's true. It's true, though, because you like there's all these projects that you can jump into and all of a sudden you turn them and you turn around like something that you, you know, was like some like either college kid or just a 30 year old just putting out pictures of monkeys out into the universe, into the metaverse <laughs> is all, all of a sudden multimillionaires because it became popular yeah. and it became the to be and the it's, people to be around and the community ridiculous. to be with. It, it, the, the amount of money, the amount of money being poured into NFTs is utterly ridiculous. I mean, and I have, for me, I feel like I bring in a a whole worse perspective of this because I have three full-time graphic artists. Like I'm not buying the art. Do you know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're buying into the community. Yes. And you're buying into the investment. I totally believe in what the community is going to bring. And a lot of people are like, I don't understand the roadmap or I don't know what, but it's about having hundreds of women together that are wanting to work on the same thing. Mm Mm-hmm regardless of what that thing is, but we want to do it in a way that our voices are heard and in a way that we can share with others. You know, you and I could probably be on here like we are on Discord (laughs) for hours, but I want to give my audience one more 
piece of advice that you would give them as they jump into this world, or if they don't, as they just jump into business in general, what's a great piece of business advice that you would give my listeners? I really, really, um, I don't, I don't put myself in a financial risk. And I, I mean, when I say that, it's, I feel like it sounds kind of crazy because I see some of the money I have invested places, but I have never woken up and worried about where we were going to have the money to do something because I financially prepared from it from the beginning. Like it was not a, oh crap, I spent too much on my credit card or, oh, how are we going to pay that bill? It's really, if you can just hustle until you grow it, I mean, honest to goodness, and everybody can say it's not real. It's not doable. I can throw a hundred more things at you because I grew my business like this while having fibromyalgia, while homeschooling my children, while running the farm. Like, do not tell me that you can't do this because if I can do it living in the middle of nowhere without even having internet at home, then you can do it. That was okay. Listeners, I want you to rewind or, you know, hit that like circle back button like twice or three times and listen to all that one more time. Cause Christina just gave you sage advice for anything you do in business. Don't let your excuses stop you. Christina didn't let it stop her. And she made calculated risks, calculated decisions that she knew were financially smart and she was not going to wake up the next day feeling like she made a mistake. She has educated herself before jumping in and she continues to do so to this day. Christina, if any of my listeners want to find you and follow you, where can they do that? I mean, honest to goodness, I'm so low profile on social media. (laughs) I am so, I don't even have an Instagram, like for real. I am I'm a farm girl living out here, hidden in the middle of nowhere. I mean, (laughs) my Twitter on Geeky Girl is probably the the most public that you'll see me, and it's not even me; it's my fame lady. But (laughs) perfect. Look for Geeky Girl. It's uh, at Geeky Girl on Twitter. Look her up. I swear she is there. And if you have any questions, find me on Twitter. Pop it into my into my feed and tag Geeky. And chances are she'll get back to you. She is a wealth of information. Christina, thank you so very much for coming on. This has been one of the most enlightening conversations that I've had. Thank you. (laughs) And for all of my listeners out there, I am so grateful to you for jumping on with me today. I know this is a ton of information that I usually don't share, but the thing is, this is coming. The NFT world is here. The crypto world is here and it's been here for a while. So jump in and at least at the very least go to YouTube university and learn a little bit more about it. Thank you so very much. So grateful. If you love what you heard, please, please rate review and subscribe. You are so amazing. Bye now.